Hello everybody and welcome to the 47th episode of the Alien vs Predator Galaxy podcast. This is your regular host, Aaron Percival, or as I go by on the uh, website, Corporal Hicks. And joining me are my usual cohorts, Ridge Top. Hello again everyone. And Xenomorphin. Hola! And this episode is going to be talking about the first viral piece that has been released for Alien Covenant. That is a prologue, The Last Supper. And we're also going to be talking about the brand new trailer that's recently come out. And also probably talk about some of the uh, info from the very set report. So between the three of them, there's been quite a bit of juicy stuff coming out lately. Right, so we're going to go for the prologue first. Probably not too much to say about this one. I enjoyed it, but I don't think there's I don't think there was really a great deal in it, if, if you know what I'm saying. What I enjoyed about it was that we saw a lot of the character dynamics in play. You know, it wasn't... It wasn't this sort of um, how would how would it... not substant. Well, no, I mean the the um, the, the TED talk. It was I think the style that mm. they went for with Peter Wayland. It was very sort of big and pompous, wasn't it? There we go. Mm. It was like an event with that, whereas mm. this was more like you're just seeing people being themselves. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's I think that's going to be a sort of great way of showing the feelings of the film as well. Prometheus wanted to be this big and important film with all these grand ideas and Prometheus uh, and um, Alien Covenant seems to be taking a step back and trying to go for that blue collar feel that Alien did so you know you, the two viral sort of sh- show you what the film going to be aiming for um, what did you guys uh, think of the, the prologue did, did you enjoy it thought it was I thought it was it was well done when I first saw it I I thought it was just a clip of the film and it wasn't until I read about it a bit later that I was like, oh, this is directed by Luke Scott, really son. And he did the TED Talk for Prometheus as well. Did he also do the David video? Honestly, I, I can't remember. I mean, I mean, that's cool, you know, following in his father's footsteps and all that. I wonder if he'll get into filmmaking or if it's just like a little... Did he not do, not Lucy, um, Morgan? Did he not just do a film called Morgan? Oh, let me take a look. The IMDb dad. <coughs> yes, he did do Morgan. And uh, he did do another movie in 2012 called Loom. So I guess um, I guess he is getting into directing. Interesting. Not very well reviewed though. At least not on um, not on IMDb. Loom or Morgan? Morgan, 75.6. Yeah, Loom is 6.6. Well, he's just starting. I mean, James Cameron's first movie was Piranha 2. So. Though he did do um, he was a second unit uh, director on Martian and on Exodus. Anyway, bit a bit of a tangent there. I just thought that was that was interesting. I I was fooled. I thought this was going to be part of the movie, but I, I guess it's good that it's not because people can. Some people were complaining that there is a a nod to Alien that was a bit too on the nose. You know where she's choking, and you have the line like, "Oh, the food's not that bad." You know, straight from uh, Alien. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, I, I did think it was well made and it was a good introduction to the crew. You saw these people were a bit more laid back than the Prometheus crew and they were you know, a bit more human. Even even Walter really seemed with the scene where he slapped her back to stop her from choking. And his line after that, you could tell, OK, he, he's not the kind of sociopath that that David was and, and is um, he cares for the crew. At least that's that was the impression I got, as as opposed to David, who was just like there for his own purposes and for Wayland's purpose. I think De- Danny McBride. It's obvious they are using some of his his humor to start with, uh, but I think you'll see him as as things get more serious in the movie. I think you'll see his character, you know, get more serious. I think I think his his humor actually worked really well in that short because. 
you know, it's it's a crass line, but I've already got my first piece of uh, quotable dialogue from Alien Covenant, and I, I'm not gonna lie, I I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. The I'll colonize all over this table. <laughs> it worked for me. But like you were saying, um, with it being really on the nose with the Alien reference, as a short side piece to sort of get people, you know, in the mood. I thought all I thought the references were okay. They worked for what it was. But if that was actually in the film, if you had um, Tennessee uh, repeating um, repeating uh, Parker's dialogue, I would have been rolling my eyes, and it wouldn't have worked for me. I'd have, I'd have hated it. I'd have, I'd have fucking hated it because yeah, it's, it's just there's nothing worse than intrusive, um, you know, callbacks in the film. But as a little short side piece, you know, I th- it didn't bother me. Well, they did. The weird thing is they did show part of this in the trailer, so I'm yeah. wondering if Scott. Uh, filmed like a shorter version of the same scene for the movie or if he was just like i like how this turned out i'll incorporate it into the movie and maybe it will be part of the movie i i doubt it because you know from from everything i've heard this is just part of the viral marketing it's not unusual for trailers to have footage that you don't see in the films though so uh I wouldn't really put too much thought into that bit. Yeah, also, I don't know if Ridley Scott had any hand in actually crafting the advert itself. He might have just, you know... I think it was he his might idea. Not have been... No, I mean, when you're saying the, the new trailer we've got and Ridley were just saying you have a piece of this in it, okay. I don't know if Ridley Scott would respond. It might have been, like, some other editor that it was just handed off to, so we don't know if Ridley Scott had a hand in saying, ha-ha, I want that so much in my film. I'm going to put it in there. <laughs> I don't think uh, directors tend to get too involved in putting trailers together, from what I remember. No. Another thing I'm wondering is this takes place right before they're entering cryosleep. So after the introduction scene to Covenant, which I understand is a bit of a flashback, I'm wondering where the movie's going to start in terms of this crew's journey. Like I heard there was on one of the set reports it talked about her apartment, uh, Catherine Watterson's character. I can't Did I either can't of you remember. see that? Or I, I thought I, I read that as, as part of the set, but... Um, so I'm wondering if it starts before their journey, kind of like Prometheus. You know, you had that little scene in the um, Isle of oh, Skye. Oh, no, I, I remember how it starts now. Uh, we've seen it. We saw it in the trailers. It's uh, David coming online. Right, right. I mean, after that scene. I'm talking about the crew, because that's the flashback scene, how the movie opens. But but as far as this crew goes, where, like, if we're going to start on the ship with them, or if we're going ah, no, to see yeah. the ship depart, or if it's going to be when they're waking up from cryosleep, or, you know... Where it's where the movie is going to start for the main characters of our journey. I suspect it will just be you know someone snapping their eyes open, or we'll see have a dream sequence or something like that. Because that would just just speculation here, but that tends to be how you put the audience, you sweep the audience into the character's perspective. So if you wait, you go into the movie along with them as they wake up. That makes sense. So, what did you feel about it then, uh, Xenomorphin? Did you get on with the with the prologue? Um, I mean, I a lot of people were saying, "Oh my God, character development!" Or that it, there wasn't character development. We got an insight into their dynamics. Mm, yeah. Um, I didn't really feel one way or the other. It, it's you know, it's a generic dinner table scene with a speech at the end. It's nice to see some of the character dynamics, but. I mean, I could have done without it and just been given the new trailer we have. I, I didn't really get anything from this that I, 
you know, I needed. Uh, the, the only things are, I did feel a couple of things in this, it should have done without. There was that line. Now, I'm someone who's been staying away from, and for those of you out there, we do have little spoiler tags in the forum. So whenever people, you know, spoiler, I've, I've, I've stayed away from temptation and not clicked on that thing. But I've been staying away from things about like what ha- what is rumored to happen with certain characters. And on this, even me as someone who's not been who's been avoiding that stuff, it's got like Franco's character going, "Oh, I've, I'm burning up," and I've gone like, "Oh, you fuckers, you've like spoiled." Because <laughs> I'm sh- I don't know if he's going to die from, or, but it was obvious just from the way he said it and the way the camera was framing on it, something's going to happen with him and fire. So it's bloody obvious, and I would have really <laughs> liked that not to have happened. Because then now I'm like, Ugh! the other thing was, yeah, it was it was a nice dinner tables it came across very natural the problem is it we it's not indicative of covenant itself because it's a different director and the actors were just told to improvise so it's not really indicative of the script the writing as a whole it's not indicative of ridley scott's potential way of directing these actors unlike the way Fassbender, he was clearly doing a different interpretation of a synthetic. It was, as I said on one of the previous episodes, I said, I've got a feeling it'd be interesting to see if he's going to base Walter more on Bishop. And from the onset reports, we've got confirmation of that. Now, that came across in this one. I could see little hints of Bishop in there when he's examining Daniels. But the other thing I've I would have really preferred not to have been in here. It was It was too on the nose. It was that fake out where it's not a chest burst, you know. It's clearly it's like they know people have found out about the throat burst of stuff. And the character starts, you know, holding a neck and it looks like it's going to be a, a mirrored cane scene. That felt too, honestly felt, to me, it felt like it was verging into like parody territory it felt like a parody almost of the original alien scene with the chest burster and i so much so that i as i was watching it i was cringing a bit and i I knew it was they weren't going to play it as for comedy but it felt so much like it was in danger of getting into that territory i was waiting for a punchline and then you know what happened we got a punchline (laughs) we got walter saying you know went down the wrong the wrong pipe I've got your back, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, because they know, the fans know about the backburster stuff, though. So that felt, oh, you shouldn't have put... It felt cheap in the same way that... Remember in the first trailer, and we were all saying the shower scene, technically, we're sure it's well done, but we wish it didn't happen in the trailer because it felt a little bit cheap and slasher-like. It would have benefited from not being in the trailer. I think this would have benefited from not having that scene with the choking and the, oh, got your back, it would have been better to just go into the... I know why they did it, because they when they were structuring it, they probably went, oh, nothing's happening here. It's basically a dinner and a speech. Ah, I know, let's pretend there's going to be a cane scene. But I think it would have been better without it. And we know the big fandom reaction from it, everybody's focusing on that scene. They're not focusing on Daniel's speech and that was the big dramatic thing that you really wanted the audience to focus on because that's more solemn. Whereas this, the throat, the, the fake out scene, as I say, it felt a little bit too, it's not comical, it's not a parody, but it felt like you're 
getting into that territory and you don't want the audience to be hyped up for a film being prepped up to think oh it's going to be a light-hearted thing you want them to go into it thinking it's going to be a serious horror which the daniel speech kind of does because she's she even talks about you know you sacrificed things you know that's all foreshadowing the like um dialogue wise it would have been better to have just gone to the speech i think things like oh i'm burning up or oh i've got your back and then the, the faker i really wish they hadn't done that because it's it's like as i say in the first trailer where we discussed it would have been better to have done without that shower scene this would have been better without that choking scene with that said it was not, as I say, you can't guess because it's a different director. They were all told to improvise. But it was clear that these, you know, the I don't know whether they're all going to even have names, let alone have much screen time. But it was nice to see little things like um, Crudup's character, Christopher Orham. He he was like, he was, he was prepared to make a speech. And then Franco says, oh, no, let's let Daniels do it. And he, you can see he's going to be like the socially awkward one. McBride. I like him, but you know he's he's used for that because he's charismatic, and that definitely comes through in this. Um, what's going to be more interesting, as we see on the new trailer we've got, he goes from being charismatic and laughing at anything, <laughs> weirdly, to he's he's basically pissing his pants as you see the film progress. But you're seeing the beginnings of the character dynamics. That's all nice to see. But, as I say, this didn't really give me anything as a fan that i really i needed that it's i could have done without it it's nice to see but you know it it, it was a it was a dinner scene there's a fake out there's a speech that's it there's not much substance there to really get into i think the best thing about it was the glimpse into walter because i think that's the first major piece of as short as it was dialogue where you saw him acting as walter and he's definitely got a different personality fassbender is putting into walter than david it there wasn't those like with david even when he smiled you got that that feeling it was more of a sneer whereas this one walter he's more genuine he's more honest even at the end when the speech is done and they're all like doing the toast to Dan to Daniels and their voyage, you see Walter, he hasn't got a glass, but he does like a smile that doesn't feel fake. It's a smile of, you know, I'm part of the crew or I'm property or whatever, but you know, he he's getting on with the crew. He doesn't have any resentment for them, which is it's actually a much more refreshing portrayal, as short as it was, than you got with David in Prometheus. It's probably because he has no feelings towards them whatsoever. Yeah. And I think that's that is better because as i say it does feel a lot more like bishop and i think mm. it feels oh, that, better that was intentional yeah. yeah yeah i, I liked what i'm seeing of walter i found the um the set report that talks about daniel's apartment apparently it was the joe blow report and they talk about the war room which i guess was um i think i think it was just like a meeting room type thing yeah well it, i mean it had some displays with miniature models of the sets that were built and it says daniel's futuristic looking apartment that reminded me of blade runner so i'm wondering if that'll be a flashback like with her and james franco's character or if it'll be her like gearing up to leave on on the mission or something it could just be the quarters on the ship, maybe. Yeah, that too. Well, she is meant her and... Uh, I don't know if it's McBride's character or another one, but I know Daniels is meant to have been, like, 
prepping for this mission for 10 years so i think her she's more of a prominent member of the crew so it wouldn't surprise me that she's got maybe not a bigger private quarters because they're all going to be in like cryo shoes but it wouldn't surprise me that she's got her own part of the ship because she's more responsible with the terraforming stuff and that well when they did say apartment that reminded them of blade runner it, it just made me think like you know, Blade Runner was definitely an urban apartment. So, yeah, as opposed to like ship quarters. Yeah. And it also might be like with Prometheus when you had Shaw dreaming of a, you know, a father and a was it, Ebola or something. It might also be that there's like dream monitoring technology in this too. I hope they don't bring that back. That felt pretty out of place. <laughs> <laughs> it opinion. did, yeah. Sorry, right, we'll save that for Alien 3.2. It's fine. Hmm. <laughs> I do I do agree with what you've been saying though. This to me, the prologue to me felt more about just sort of here's how everybody's gonna be interacting. It's not it's not yeah. a a big ideas film, it's a film with all these relatable characters. And even in those five minutes, you know, you you got a sense of a lot of what's coming up, you know. There's already a, a feel of conflict between Daniels and um Billy Crudup's character, Orem, I think his, his name was. Yeah. So you've already got that sense, and you've got a feel for um, his and Carmen Ajogo, as I pronounce it. Um, his wife's character's sort of maybe conservative attitude, because you can see their reaction to um, the, the gay couple when um, they're uh, being affectionate, and um, when Tennessee and Saris Farris, I can't, I can't remember which one it is, you know, when they're getting all loud and uh, drunk. I don't remember him reacting to the gay couple. I do, I do remember her saying, oh, and his wife is even drunker. So I think that's indicative of, like, those Crudup's character and his wife, they are, like, a little socially apart from, but I, whether that's to do with religious attitude or whether it's because they've joined the crew a little way, it's, uh, I, I don't know. Well, it seemed like they weren't talking about her as much as they were talking about Danny McBride's character because mm. she said he's such an asshole. Uh, oh, um, okay. They I were, that. yeah. And then they were like, you know, he'll hear you. And he says, he can't hear me. He's drunk. So, and she goes, she's even drunker. So I think they were focusing although, more on him. Yeah. I mean, although I mean, you've got that, because it was clearly meant to mirror the the dinner scene on the Nostromo. You, you had that kind of stuff where I think Parker said something about, you know, like, oh, I'd like to eat this out. Yeah, it's a Cullenlingus reference, and, and Lambert just said, fuck off or something. But it, it was all kind of like lighthearted. So it's a little callback to that, maybe. But in here, it's a little more serious. And they're, they're not engaging with the other characters so much as themselves. They're keeping to themselves. Should we talk about that a little bit? The fact that this is the first. Uh, same-sex couple featured in a film in the franchise. I mean, we did get it a bit with the Life and Death and Fire and Stone comics, and now it's in one of the films. You even get a little bit of that in kind of Alien Resurrection, uh, with how um, Carl and Ripley sort of behave at times. Yeah, there was a hinting of that, for sure. Although, it's not literally the first pairing, maybe, but there are people who um, have speculated that Frost and um, even Vasquez back in Aliens might have been gay. I remember Rico Ross on, um, what's the podcast he was in? Uh, he, he taught, I was there too. Yeah, that was it. It was, it was talking about Heath, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and apparently it was like he meant to write Heather because it was his partner at the time, but he couldn't fit it on. So he thought at the time, well, it's a short for Heather, but 
fans themselves said oh it's heath he's actually a gay marine and he got a lot of like you know people write to him and say oh you're the first like gay marine it's great to see and but he said he like as far as he's concerned it was meant to be heather but he said if fans want to think that that's perfectly fine he's he's perfectly happy if frost was a gay marine so it could be like you know maybe there were gay characters in the past but this is the first one where it's like unmistakably they are well, they're either gay or they're bisexual, but yeah, they're the first pairing. But it's possible that in the previous films we have potentially had that as well. What's interesting too is uh, these these seem like you know just normal dudes. These do not seem like yeah. you know what you would think of as stereotypically gay. Yeah, they're characters. not camp. They're like that. That is what's great about it. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was t- talking to you earlier, Xenomorphin, off the chat about how yeah. I'd recently come to realize just how important representation is in mm. films in tv yeah because ever since growing up i've, I've had gay friends i've had uh, gay male friends i've had lesbian friends so it's never been it's never been different to me no it's not a big deal no yeah and and for some people it is you know those people that are but to see having recently learned just how important it is and how just seeing character on a tv program that just happens to be gay like you are and if you're having troubles with it, you know, how much of a deal, um, how important that is to them. I'm, I'm speaking specifically of an article I read about Supergirl and um, a character arc on there. And this um, young woman had sort of wrote into, no, it was on Twitter. She talked about it on Twitter and how it had helped her, you know, sort of come to realize how normal it was. Mm. And to see Alien sort of do that as well, to have two normal blokes being affectionate towards yeah. each other yeah it's not the focus is on them being gay it's just like they happen to be gay yeah exactly that's all I, yeah i think that's great i really do yeah and i'm glad to see alien sort of take part in that i would say i can understand some of the a lot of the negative feedback about that isn't the fact that they they happen to be gay i i can kind of understand those who are saying well wait it's a colony shit it should be like they, they should be like, you know, a, they're meant to all be couples because they're going to have children. But when you factor in that the ship is meant to be transporting 2000 people in stasis, that's the fact because that hasn't been put in. I think if they put that in the trailer, people have gone, oh, OK, well, it's just one couple who just happened to be whatever. I think that's what people are tripping up over. As soon as they realise that the ship is actually carrying 2,000 people at that point they go oh well, well they're just two gay characters even then it's, it's kind of unrealistic to expect what yeah. 12, 12 yeah. characters to yeah. populate an entire colony yeah. So. And, and, and yeah definitely and as I've also seen earlier on they could be bisexual for all we know although they are meant to be a couple the only negative thing I thought about them was I don't care about a character's sexuality but they're meant to be one's the other's subordinate in the same security team and whether you're straight gay whatever it's always a bad idea to have that happen because then favoritism can either creep in or even if you're hyper alert to it other members of the security team or military or whatever it is they will have start to suspect there's favoritism so it's always a bad idea to have a subordinate in a relationship with someone they're taking orders from. That's the part when I found out they're meant to be in the same security. I thought, oh, fuck, don't do that. I don't care whether they're gay, but in terms of representation, yeah, it's great to have. And as you said, you know, they're ordinary guys. They're not like one of them or both of them are camp or whatever. They're just two normal blokes and they just happen to be, 
you know, married apparently in this case there, but their husband. That is a, it's a great, just off the cut. It's so, it came across so casual, completely honest here. I completely missed the fact there were two guys kissing. I just, you know, I, I think I just blinked and missed it. Over. It was only when people started to say, oh, there's two, there's two gay men. I'm like, what? And I had to rewatch it and go, oh yeah, there's a kiss there. It happened so casually. It was almost like, you know, a, although it's on the lips, it, it almost came across like it is you doing like, you know, European locations where it's completely acceptable for two guys to kiss each other on cheek or whatever. It came across so casual. And then I missed that little bit of dialogue that they say, you know, I'll, I'll love you or whatever. It was so brief. And so you'll, you'll blink if you miss it. But I literally did miss it. And it is that is the best way to approach taboos in society is just have it not just not revolving around a pairing or whatever but just have other characters who they're interacting with not care the other characters around them don't care and that's why when people go to watch it they're just going to treat them like any other relationship that is the best way to treat these kind of things and i'm sure if you go back and look at films in the like the 60s and 70s and that when you had like um interracial couples and that was a really big taboo back then i think probably the films that probably did it best were where uh, a white and black character just happened to be in a relationship and the characters around them didn't care they were just treated like any other character also i think consider you know the crew is made up of couples but i don't think the, the company was like, you know, must have children if you are yeah. colonizing this planet. I think there were, there might have been some sort of encouragement there, but definitely not a requirement. And considering future tech, they could always go for something like a yeah. surrogate mother or... Um, well, they could. They could technically. I mean, in one of the interviews, one of the, the two actors of those characters, they do say, for all we know, it could be that one of them, they do have male pregnancy technology at that time. They don't know. But they said, I'd rather not do it because I don't look too good with a belly sort of thing. <laughs> well, but yeah, that is totally a possibility when you're dealing with sci-fi. Yeah. I mean, this is this is getting off into a whole nother subject. But there is yeah. <laughs> there are some genetic scientists that have said theoretically it could be possible to have, you know, test tube yeah. children with the genetics from two parents of the same sex, be them a male couple or female couple. You know, sci-fi has always had this very progressive kind of looking towards the future, looking towards we've become more accepting, we've become more tolerant of each other as a species. I mean, I still think that the stigma is there a little bit in the background just because they're the minority. I mean, I'm sure they're one of the only, if not the only gay couple on the ship. And that's why, you know, Danny McBride makes a joking comment and and they joke back with him like, what are we making you uncomfortable? So, I mean, it's not, and I don't know if it ever will be 100% as societally accepted, but, you know, at least the they're joking in a very friendly manner. You know, there's no hostility whatsoever. Another part that was interesting, and this is kind of going into the the trailer a little bit, is you see, and this might be a bit of a spoiler, at least I'm taking it as one, is you see one of them dying in one of the shots. I think it's at one minute and 46. And you, there's a close-up on their hands and you see the two rings there. So it looks like Ridley wanted to emphasize the fact oh. that they were married as well. Symbolic, yeah. It's great because Ridley always sort of had this concept for the first film that they'd be quite sexually free with each other on the ships. I think that was probably more towards the taboo of um, casual sex, you know, casual sexual partners while they're stuck on the tub. But 
you know, it's something he's wanted, you know, progressive sort of attitudes since the first one. So, you know, it's great to see that come a bit more to the forefront. Yeah, I really think he referenced that he would he he thought it might have been interesting if he was reshooting it now that he might have had Lambert and Ripley as um in a relationship or something. Well, what isn't Lambert supposed to be transgender? Yeah, in Aliens, when you have the biographies go down, the apparently she was changed from male to female in the womb, apparently. So well, technically she's like um, a pre-birth intersexed, I guess. But um, I, I don't think it, it described why that happened or whether it was just her parents wanted a girl instead of a boy or something. But yeah, that is, that's always come up in fandom that Lambert could have been a boy, which I, I don't know, but I suspect might have been an in-joke about her having very short hair, but I, I've got no idea why. Well, Ridley's interesting in the sense that you can tell he's, he's very progressive minded and he's, uh, you know, he looks to the future, especially with, with sci-fi movies like The Martian and to science. But at the same time, he's also getting more and more known for religious subtext. But it does Prometheus and Covenant, you know, it's all creationalism. Yeah, and undertones. But you look at even his film like uh, Exodus Gods and, and Kings, which I haven't seen. You know, it just seems he has more and and Kingdom of Heaven. It seems he has more in his later life of an interest in you know, spiritual undertones and religious undertones. But the good thing is, even though some of those aspects may have come across as eye-rolling for me personally in Prometheus, I think that he's never had it come across as preachy. He's never had it come across as uh, a religious agenda for anything he's talking about. It's always just asking questions about it. So I think he he strikes a really good balance between uh, progressive ideas as well as religious and spiritual questions. He, he describes himself as um, being agnostic, I think, but believing in some sort of greater force, not necessarily a god of some variety. But I think that's I think that's where a lot of his interests come lately. I think that's where a lot of his interest is going to lie in, in these new films as well. I mean, Covenant doesn't sound like it's going to be quite as overt with its subtext as Prometheus was, but it's definitely a theme. And I think it's going to be a theme throughout the prequels. There is a character who does, I, I think it comes from, uh, I don't know if it's Ridley Scott himself or the writer, but I, I have a feeling it's Ridley Scott. When I remember back when Prometheus was being made and you had the reports from that and Ridley Scott said he, he talked to a lot of scientists who were religious. So you had like, you know, Catholics and Muslims or whatever. But he said he personally found the dichotomy fascinating that you had a person that their whole career and life that they are in science but they have religious views as well and he just found the the mental the psychology fascinating and in here um billy Crudup's character christopher orham apparently a big part of his background is that he he um he he's still in or he's split from the he was very specific about um, the pentecostal church or something and he he apparently has big religious views and apparently that's one of the reasons why he's a little socially ostracized from the rest because the rest of the crew do have this they kind of like roll their eyes at him having these religious views but that was why in this um, last supper scene you have him agreeing with the captain and saying oh yes it's you know it's majesty it's majestic this and he's looking out into space and then bride's character says oh i don't know what you're talking about it's just a big sea of nothing his character billy Crudup's character is definitely in the mold of shore from prometheus where he definitely does have those religious views 
and I think the um, even the first trailer already spoiled. I think his character is the one that gets face hugged, isn't it? Mm, um, which if yeah, which if so, I think was probably deliberate. But you have a character who's very invested in Christianity, and ergo, you know, the virgin birth. He's going to be the one that effectively has, you know, a um, what, what do you call it? Uh, uh, an immaculate conception. He's going to give birth to. A chest burster. So I think it's done for that reason. But I do think you're going to have similar um, threads to the kind of story threads that Shaw was used as a kind of plot device to explore in Prometheus. I think his character is going to continue that in this film. Did it say that in one of the set reports that really uh, Billy Crudup's character was playing a, a religious? Yeah, I've, I've got it here. So, um, Orem is somewhat ostracized from his colleagues due to the fact he was raised in he's a very specific pentecostal household and though he ultimately split from his church he remains deeply religious something that isn't particularly fashionable among his scientists so yeah well if you look at you know just current trends with the information age moving forward into the future religion has been on the decline for a while and it's i would think in a sci-fi universe that's you know so heavily run by scientific minded individuals and and people you know engineers scientists and space travelers that have that have seen so much that religion would be a much harder concept for them to buy i mean you still have religious undertones have been in the alien series ever since alien 3 with the whole community of of that prison and in resurrection you had the the chapel scene which i always liked that scene i thought that was a really interesting scene Mm. but yeah it's it's interesting that it's that it's continuing that line with prometheus although prometheus did have some judeo-christian kind of undertones i'm wondering if this one is going to go more into like the polytheistic greek mythology type stuff especially with the engineer citadel things like that well it would be nice to see other faiths play into it um like religion in general can be interesting to play around well like even back in uh, not an alien film but um uh was it it's not chronicles of riddick what was the first of those films called yeah yeah you had the islamic guy in that i mean they could have played around much more with the themes in that like darks and so forth it would definitely be nice especially in a film like this which is meant to be going in and we've we've discussed this before meant to be going into like prehistoric you know mythology and that it would be nice to see not just different denominations of christianity played around with um even just like islamic or hindu hindu and, and that that's also got some interesting stuff in it but also going to maybe some of the south american religious stuff which interesting like the first of the avp films played heavily around with but it would be really nice to see some of those stuff like it not just keep it focused on christianity because especially if this if we're going into the the theory that the engineers influenced what became different religions there should be little threads in there that um you can say ah that's not christianity that's actually to do with such and such and some people have also been noticing from some of the um well i was going to say the leaked photos but also the some of the stuff that's in the new trailer where you see the different heads and people have been saying oh that's a lot like um easter island and i've gone oh that's an interesting little thing that it shows they might be veering away from just focusing it on christianity 
Yeah, um, kind of touching back on Pitch Black, the sequel to that, Chronicles of Riddick, opened with a um, planet called Helion Prime, and, and the capital city of that planet was New Mecca, which was essentially, you could tell it was like mm-hmm. a, a reformed Islam, kind of, because it, it didn't seem like they were as, as strict as some modern-day interpretations of Islam can be. And it was... Um, a city for many different religions as well. It just happened to be predominantly Islamic. Mm. And the, the, you know, the premise of that movie was, was interesting in that you had this dark space cult come in and invade this city of, you know, religious people trying to assimilate them. So, I mean, Chronicles of Riddick and, and that's a whole nother mm. discussion, of course, but Chronicles of Riddick, I thought fell a little short as a sequel overall, but it did have some interesting <laughs> sci-fi thematic elements that we hadn't really seen mm-hmm. before. I mean, that Christianity has probably the heaviest it been played around with in the Alien series was back in Alien 3. Um, obviously, it came out of the threads that were in the Wooden Planet script, but you definitely had a lot of, you know, you even had that, the one of the best scenes in Alien 3 where there, there was that funeral for Hicks and Newt, and you had, the, you know, the new life comes from a flower, and you had the... The, the dog burster scene in that there's definite um even with the the way i ripley falls to her death it's almost like a you know a, a, a martyrdom sort of thing as and so people would be noticing that there, there are a lot of little cues to christianity playing throughout all of alien 3 but i don't think ridley scott's really looking back to alien 3 but um it's it's something which is familiar to the franchise before it's definitely played around with christianity talking about yeah i just remembered yeah a lot of people have been noticing franco's character looks a little bit like jesus with the towel on him oh yeah there was <laughs> and they've yeah, been some... yeah and they've been noticing it's even the same number of people as his disciples and because it's called the last supper they're thinking oh there's actually a lot more religious themes in this um viral piece than you first realize and when he's kind of holding his blanket and and he's yeah. waving goodbye his hand gesture is very similar yeah, to yeah. some jesus paintings and he's got facial hair <laughs> okay so uh, let's move on now then i guess let's go through the red band trailer because it's essentially the well, same it's, it's thing same, yeah exactly with some extra bits before we do then as as usual just short sort of opinions on on the trailer you know has it um changed your sort of attitude towards the film it's better than the first one it's a definite improvement i i don't want to say it's hyped me for the film yet it is a definite improvement on the third. I, I think it's confirmed, however, that the um, the crew are just going down. They're not bothering with um, hazard suits. Uh, but as, as a whole, in terms of the like the visuals we got, it is it is definitely upping the the mystery factor in Covenant, which I think is important because it's it's now making people maybe want to go back and watch Prometheus because there's a lot more interesting David now and what he could have been doing with Shaw. Um, the, I do like the not a lot of people have been pointing this out, but I do like the the way the music changes and it goes from that kind of like I think it's like pianos at the start and then it goes into the yeah and then it goes into this sort of thing and you have this like clapping clap and it feels more tribal and that helps a lot more to sell that imagery. I, I'll talk about like because I'm sure we're going to touch upon the creature design itself. I do have some issues with the what we've seen of the creature because we've seen it in full daylight and especially how it's animated. But um, I mean, I'll talk about them later. I, I do like this one much more than the first. 
Bridged up. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of on the same page there. I thought the trailer was much more effective than the first one. And I liked the first trailer, but this one did make me more hopeful. I'm still kind of cautiously optimistic. You know, I have no doubt this movie is going to look amazing. That's not what I'm worried about. I'm worried about the story elements. You know, the yeah. elements that brought Prometheus down is what I'm worried about with this film. But as far as the trailer goes, I thought the trailer was really well done. I just hope they don't give away the entire movie going forward with mm. more trailers. Mm. Because it already feels like, you know, with the first trailer, almost all of it was, I think you were saying, in the first hour of the film, right? Yeah, it was the first two acts. It seemed like there were a few scenes in this trailer that were closer to the end of the film, at least I would guess. Definitely the money shots shots of the trailer seemed like they'd be towards it. I mean, it was a well-put-together trailer. I'm I'm glad we got one this soon. I'm sure there will be a lot more marketing, both viral and trailers and stuff going forward. Um, what did you all think about the interior of the Covenant, both you know with Prologue and this, since we got a little bit better look at it? Personally, I think the design is interesting in that it's a bit, it's far more industrial than the Prometheus, which was like you know a luxury science ship, whereas this one is is far more utilitarian and industrial looking. What did you guys think about that? I think it brings back that sort of submarine kind of look that you sort of felt with the Nostromo at times. So I think that's that's nice. There's unavoidable sort of inconsistencies I think that we're going to get now just with the progression of our technology to when, you know, when Alien was filmed. So it's still, you know, there's loads of flip buttons and everything. It still has a, a push um, a push button kind of feel to it, but some of the blues just kind of make it, you know, and, and the touch screens of the flat yep. screens make it look kind of advanced. But then again, you've still got the, you've still got that same argument that you could have had with the Prometheus as with the Covenant is still going to have been required to have decent tech because by in all likelihood it was going to form the basis of this new colony so it still need reasonable tech but then i, I can already hear xenomorph and getting ready to talk about why the hollow table wasn't there at hadley's <laughs> home but i don't think we're getting a hollow table in this if, no. if that helps you but yeah i liked it i thought it was good i've been i've been feeling good about the set ever since that first picture with with ridley scott and danny mcbride like I said, all those push buttons just. Oh. <laughs> no, it, it it did me good. Um, what what about you then, uh, Cinemoff? You getting on with the sets, okay? Um, yeah, I, I think we talked about this when the first um, set pictures leaked and we saw the interiors with uh, McBride there. Um, I, I I still feel the same as I did then. It's it's nice. It feels like the kind of ship you'd expect to. See see in an alien film um, it's also nice to see the lighting it's it's dark it, you especially saw it in the last supper scene actually it's there is some in terms of lighting that it's dark in the right places and lit well in a, in the right places as well um, people often overlook lighting lighting really the right compromise of lighting really helps to sell a scene in terms of atmosphere um what i i did find interesting in terms of spaceships is that there appears to be a new ship right at the end when you say i think it's daniels anyway she's like swinging around on it and it looks like a kind of transport barge yeah like and a cargo ship yeah i don't think we've seen that before but it would explain maybe how because it isn't maybe the shuttle is just for shuttling and maybe they would be when they get to their the colony they were meant to be going to because this is like a diversion apparently maybe that's how they would bring down all the cryostasis pods or something down to the 
the colony maybe or maybe just the supplies they have but yeah that was a new addition it's like a some kind of hovercrafty type thing that it looks like the sole purpose of it is just as a platform to put things down to that although how they keep them on in zero gravity i don't know but that was an interesting addition i i don't remember seeing it on the like on the main ship but i mean we haven't seen much of the main ship itself but the interiors yeah i don't have any problem with it it's nice to have like seeing doors that slam and you have that little like hint of smashing glass for some reason we need more camera iris air ducts we haven't had any of those yet. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to see something like those. Yeah, I've got no trouble. The, the interior set design, uh, that that's really nice to see. I haven't seen anything I disagree with there. And it's an all push-button thing. It does seem to be like a mixture of push-buttons and, you know, computer monitors and that it feels like it does in alien and aliens without feeling outdated it, it I, feels very practical and functional i have a feeling that the the crew escaping the planet and this is going to be somewhat similar to aliens especially after seeing that cargo ship you talked about and the fact that their initial drop ship explodes as we can see in the previews so i have a feeling yeah. that's going to be remote piloted down yeah. and that's how they'll be trying to escape the planet yeah. Or it might be that they cannibalize parts from the dropship to create it. Like, it could be all manner of thing. If I remember rightly, I think it was you actually, um, Xenomorphin, mentioned in the podcast on the first episode about how the ship looked kind of segmented. So I personally I personally think it's um, going to have been one of those sort of segments it's like a sci- yeah it's like a sci-fi convention that mm-hmm. colony ships form the basis of the, mm. the colonies that they're gonna found yeah. so i think the ship was probably done like that so it could break up and then take a module down and take another mm. module down blah 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 i think it was probably something like that and yeah. it did appear that mcbride was piloting it because of the the money yeah. shot at the end you know with the alien on yeah. top i mean what is interesting when i mentioned earlier that it's meant to be 2000 colonists that they're transporting nobody's mentioned it yet properly but i think that is going to play into this because you have that part in aliens where ripley says you know if one of those things gets here that's it so whatever you're going to be thinking throughout the film as soon as you hear two thousand people what if one of those aliens gets up to the main ship and it it starts infecting two thousand people because we have heard from the set reports ridley scott's going to be giving a lot of aliens and they can't all just be face huggers from eggs and stuff there's got to be something that happens between the planet's surface and the ship that's transporting all these um colonists themselves that are still yet to wake up i i think that's primarily talking about the different stages of the neomorph though i think that's where all the different creatures yeah they sent a lot of aliens and a lot of different stages for them so it's meant to be different things I'm still too scared that they're going to end up being the egg morph cargo of the derelict. I fear, I fear that's where we're going. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I will cry so much. I will cry in the cinema. We do know um, there was a <laughs> suspicion with the first trailer that the dog tag that was found by Daniel's character belonged to Shot, and we can see it more clearly in this trailer. Yeah. That, yes, it does. It definitely and that's another thing I was wondering sure. about the, um, the wheat field they find, and they make the comment like, you know, yes. what are the odds of finding human vegetation out here and obviously david doesn't need to eat and so it begs the question how long was shaw surviving on this planet and how much of that we'll see yeah i mean it's one of the characters that 
was one of the things I forgot to mention when they said it ups the mystery. That is a really intriguing thing about this trailer because one of them do say, what's the chance of having Earth stuff this far away from Earth? And just by putting it in this advert, that that is a really thought-provoking thing because I, I don't think David's planted that. I think that's meant to have been uh, an engineer-related stuff and maybe it'll turn out that it's not wheat. Things like wheat aren't actually from Earth. It's actually this is the planet it was originally grown from and it was transferred to Earth when they came to Earth. But whatever yeah. it's going to be, that was a really thought-provoking thing where he says this is wheat. And he's like, he's not having, he's not saying this looks like wheat. He says this is wheat. He, and it looks like maybe he's had a background, maybe as a farmer or he knows it. He's he's clearly knowledgeable and he's saying this is wheat. And that does make you go, yeah, what's that much wheat doing on another planet? It's not like another ecosystem it's stuff which they're familiar with except for the you know the fungus that's gonna have bad consequences but um things like wheat there's that much of it and you're going yeah what is that doing there that that was a very intelligent thing to put in the trailer because that's not a money shot that's something that's raising a question in the mind of the audience and that makes you want to go to find out what's the answer yeah, I hadn't thought about it from that angle. I had figured that that it was just, you know, some seeds that Shaw had scavenged from the wreckage of the Prometheus to survive wherever she was going. So, engineers have got to eat. <laughs> and and there's there's another question whether or not this is actually the engineer homeworld or if this was another yeah. planet that they just inhabited. Well, if it is the place that Shaw said that is the golden and that's where she went it's a good bet that's meant to be the home world, but we don't know if maybe they went somewhere else first and then went to this planet. That's the big question. I would have thought if it's meant to be the engineer's home world, there's a lot more to it, or maybe there's subterranean civilization. I don't know. But you would have thought there'd be more signs of architecture or something. Maybe it's just some other place of significance to them. Yeah. I mean, because uh, let's, let's, let's talk about something that I... I think it was it was the moment I sat up in the trailer it was when it showed the that very brief shot of the cloaked figure who I'm going to assume is David mm. walking through that field of you know um, dreams burnt... <laughs> <laughs> walking through that field of uh, burnt bodies and the engineer citadels yeah. off in the distance I thought that looked fantastic and from what we've heard of the set reports the inside of that um, inside of the citadel something called the was it the hall of heads yeah and also the cathedral i think that mm. dome has been called which raises a lot again a lot of religious inferences but it, it seemed like that place was a somewhat i don't want to say really religious significance to them but of some sort of significance to them yeah. because apparently the the monuments inside it was supposed to represent like the best of the engineers yeah. well people i mean it's assumed when we see this, we're all assuming, you know, they look burnt, they look fossilised. This was clearly a long time ago. But some people on the forums have been raising the interesting possibility. What if David is responsible for that? And that happened. That is actually the consequence of what happened when they arrived there. Maybe David is responsible for that. I would rather it be something ancient. But it's an intriguing possibility that maybe David is actually, or sure, for all we know, is actually responsible for that. We don't know. Didn't we see from the set photos that there was another race besides just the engineers and they were fighting each other? I, I think it was just this perspective of the photos, to be honest, because I, I can 
I don't want to say too much. <laughs> in the early screenings of the film, David is responsible for this. Um, You've said too much. <laughs> wait, wait. But in the later right. screenings, it's been oh, removed. Oh, interesting. Yeah, they, 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 they removed the scene. Um, okay. You might want to remove that from the podcast later. It, it's it's all come out um, on some of the 4chan leaks anyway. Okay. Um, so for the... I, I I think yeah. spoiler warnings would be fairly implicit with this episode anyway. Mm. Um, but yeah, so interesting. It, it looked, man. If if they stick with it that way, this they've left yeah. some ambiguity as to the fate, as to the explanation mm. of those engineers. Well, I mean, either way, whatever the you know the reason for it coming about, it's clear that David has somehow got hold of. They don't need to be conscious, but they've clearly been at least preserved engineers because we do see a, a brief shot in the red band one of one that's um, it's been posed. There are you know there are nails or bolts k- keeping the skeleton posed in that way, but it does have all its skin removed, and you know it's not rotten. It's clearly still preserved somehow. I don't know how, but it is an an engineer. I'm assuming it's an engineer. You know, it might Certainly be something like else. Him. Yeah, I'd assume that's it because he'd probably already got all the medical files he needs on human anatomy. But he's, um, it looks for all the world like a skinned engineer, a little bit Hellraiser-ish. <laughs> um, so he's somehow got access to at least one body. And there's also a very intriguing shot. Um, the aliens like crouched on a wall and it's about to leap. But a lot of people have noticed there's this body down below. And the chest cavity is open, but it doesn't look like messily burst open. It looks like it has been surgery because the, the hole is very uniform. It looks like it there's been surgery done on. And people are saying, is that an engineer or is that one of the crew or something? We don't know. But if it's an engineer, um, that also indicates like at least two he's found. What do you think, Top? Who's that body? I mean, it does look like it's been preserved, like you guys know that the Body Worlds exhibit, right? Mm. Where they, it's like real skinned humans, and you can see their musculature and organs and stuff, and they preserve it in a kind of uh, plastication, I think it's called, or something like that, or wax. So that's what I think has been done there. He found a body that was a bit more preserved that he could study. Um, I don't know if there was one in cryostasis somewhere in the the engineer facility kind of like there was on lv223 or or what the deal was with that i i guess we'll find out yeah because it does raise a lot of questions about why wouldn't he want to interact and gain knowledge from that or did he kill it or was it already on the verge of death anyway and maybe that's why it was preserved like some people in real life they have their their bodies preserved until a future date where maybe they can be maybe it's something like that but it a lot of people were struck by the possibility of what if david a has actually gone a bit murderous and he has gone full-on clive barker <laughs> but personally i think it would have to be you know there's no possibility of waking it up because to me david is all about learning and not just like anatomically i mean gaining information gaining knowledge it distract me he would be more the type to maybe somehow quarantine the engineer so it can't lash out or something but he wouldn't want to just kill it it would want to he would want to learn from it so it just the 
the fact that there is one that's been skinned and it's not rotting flesh, it's clearly fresh, that in itself opens up a lot of questions. It does make it does the ideal thing for a trailer, which is make you as the viewer go, I want to learn more. It makes you want to be David, you know, it makes you want to learn more. Where instead of the what you had a lot with Prometheus, you had basically the whole film put out there and they're just going for money shots. This is doing the right kind of thing of making you want to learn more, except it does have that face hugger shot where you know a specific character is going to die in that specific way. Well, another thing that I forgot to mention, I think one of our members actually pointed this out in the forum, made this observation. I thought it was interesting in that the waxed engineer is in the pose of the statue of David. Yes. And some were saying that, like, wow, that would be narcissistic, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was interesting, actually. Yeah, but they, they, they made a point of talking about him having ego, or that model having ego. Mm. And I think, you know, going back to the creation theme, there's, it's going to be... We might as well address it, because it's going to come at some point, isn't it? The, the rumours of David being responsible for the alien's creation mm. so him <laughs> him posing a model like that in <laughs> it, it seems quite appropriate i did find it interesting going back to the the body that's on the floor in the in the the shot where you see the alien on the wall about to bounce people did know that I, I also noticed it right away where if you look at some of these I'm guessing they're photographs rather than drawings, but some of them do actually look literally like Frankenstein. And I do remember some of the reports early on saying that there were going to be um, there were going to be things that you recognise that are related to Frankenstein somehow. And I thought they were going to be like allegorical, but you're literally seeing a Frankenstein head on the wall with bolts through the neck. <laughs> Half of me makes me wonder: Are you going to see like an engineer with bolts through its neck or something as well? But it was it was really weird seeing an actual. It looked does look honest to god for all the work it looks like frankenstein a picture of his head on the wall with bolts through the neck mm. it was really bizarre to see that it's it's intriguing to see his whole like laboratory but just that little smidgen it makes you wonder what the hell's going on interestingly enough the some of the sets reports talked about a piece of uh, concept art that looked like Shaw yeah being gigafied you know, very sort of reminiscent Tubes, of... Tubes, yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what's the artwork? Is it Lee? Uh, I think yeah. it's Mia, isn't it? No, yeah, it it's I'm Lee. Dead. That was Giger's okay. uh, first yeah. love. I remember that, but that he, he showed it to her and she really disliked it. And he, he was, because he thought she would love it and she was quite freaked out about it. But, but yeah, that, that is the one that made it, as soon as I read that, that reminded me of that piece as well. So that could be pretty cool yes. if, uh, if, if that's any you know, substantial. That makes me wonder, is she going to be a little bit like um, Ripley 7 in Alien Resurrection where, you know, she's on the table and she's, you know, saying kill me and all that. It did make me think back to that as well. Well, there is another potential spoiler here that I've noticed in the trailer and some people have been pointing it out is there's a snippet where we see David's lab where the alien is is jumping down on someone exploring it and you see a body on the floor with a light sheet over it that's ripped open and some people have been speculating that that is Shaw. Yeah. And she's been experimented upon by David. I'm sure her fate is probably going to be a, a bit of a driving factor in the second act, to be honest. Well, I was surprised that on the on set reports it's now been revealed that they were hoping to keep Shaw's inclusion a secret. 
I was thinking, how can you expect to keep something like that secret? Even if you don't let it Maybe out that she's been... It. Yeah, but even if you've let out that she's been cast, it's still going to be everybody's expect. As soon as you know David's going to feature, you know that you're going to find out what happened yeah, to that's Sean. Half, that's half the mystery, isn't it? It is, but I, it surprised me how they thought nobody would even question it. Oh, sure, I wasn't sure expecting to see Sean in this. You know, everybody's expecting to see her in this. What how what form she's going to take is the question, but no, nobody was thinking she's just, she's not going to be in it, are they? Oh, and they're going to be surprised when they see the film. I, that that I felt a little bit too hopeful that they're going to keep that. Maybe the surprise is what in what happens to her. Yeah, that is it. But you're not gonna. They thought they would keep the fact she would even feature in it. Nobody would even ask about it. That's it. That's a rather weird <laughs> assumption. Right, shall we talk about the uh, next big thing the trailer showed us? Aspen beer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was nice to. Did you? Were there also little cigarette packets shown on that table as well? The large one. I, I don't I didn't yeah. notice any. But you did. It was nice to see that in that. That did bring a smile to my face. Aspen mm. beer. For those who don't know, it was a, a little. They were beer cans in the original Alien that you saw on the Nostromo. It was nice to see that. And it, it does make you wonder if McBride was responsible for telling Rip, uh, Ridley about putting that in, because apparently he's a major fan of the film. That's why he's the one quoting dialogue. Yeah. Mm, I'm shaking my fist at you, McBride. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the big thing, which is not Aspen beer, is uh, it's obviously seen, well, I don't want to say creatures, because we only get a little glimpse at the Neomorphs, yeah. but we got, a, we got a good look at the Alien. Good look. Go on then. Someone start me off. What did we think? It looks really good. It's an interesting mixture of, you know, it, there's definitely a big chap type look there, but because it is a, a protomorph, as it's being called, it's a bit more fleshy looking, which personally I like that. I've I've kind of wanted to see a, a lanky fleshy you know hybrid of the two you know some of the the fleshier looks of adi with the big chap kind of i guess overall feature and it it looks like a mixture of those two but you can definitely tell um the actor who's who's doing motion cap for the alien and i hope he's going to be in the suit a bit as well is uh he has plenty of experience with these kinds of horror movies and he's a contortionist and he can move his body in, in very unnatural ways. And we posted it on the, the news post about it. You can see some of the screen tests for the horror film mama, where he was very creepy looking how he was moving around. And he's so he's got to a see... medical condition that allows his, it's something to do with the soft tissue in his joints. So he literally can move in ways that most normal per- people can't. But it is, it is a medical condition that allows him to do that. Hmm. I do agree. I think, I think the, especially from these set reports, the way they talk, it's intended as some sort of, this design's intended as some sort of in between, uh, between the Neomorphs and the alien as we sort of get it in Alien. I think that the films are going to culminate in him showing up with all his biomechanoid elements. Um, the the crew had no nickname for him, so uh, the protomorph things, some fan made term, um, to them, he they just called him the alien. But yeah, it it really does look like a mix. Um, you know, funny thing is, I I I really love how the body shape. I really love how slim and unnatural his positioning looks. I mean, even his feet when they were on when he was on top of the um, whatever the ship is the the cargo ship whatever his, his feet seem to be grasping onto the um the side of the thing as well 
it looks it looks very alien. Yeah, you know, I'm not gonna lie, I am a little disappointed that it isn't it isn't the alien. But with the narrative going the way it seems to be, I can understand it. But did did <laughs> did anybody else? Because the because the way we see the alien, the shot down on it, it seems to be mostly focused on like the um the upper torso and his shoulder regions. There's just something about the top of his arms that made me think it looked like the Mortal Kombat alien. Than <laughs> anybody else, I, I didn't get that. I mean, at least the head is the head looks appropriate. Unlike yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it was just the shoulders. It was just something about the the muscle around the shoulders. Like he he could he could fight Jason. It's missing that kind of um tube thing that you Giga put on around the upper shoulders that looks like it's like rolled up its sleeves almost it is it's miss there are several things that are like I've noticed it doesn't have the back the um the spike on the um spine it doesn't have that it looks like it's it only has two mm, sp- two tubes as well two dorsal tubes instead of four also I noticed yeah I I like the fact it's gone back to looking skeletal because the ADI suits starting from alien 3 going on even alien 3 had it the puppet was great but the actual costume suit it was too muscular too thick especially around the neck um Mm. this i i really like they've gone back to a thinner skeletal work the problem i've got with that is the limbs seem a little bit out of proportion which makes it look a little too gangly, too spindly. Um, so that, that's what works for it. It can do, but just... I mean, you look at... This is the thing I've been saying on the forums. You look at how they did it in Alien Isolation. The way they got it moving, especially. But that just all... Everything's in proportion. It looks perfect. Um, except for that slight bulge on the forehead. Um, but in terms of movement and so this one, to me, it looks a little too spindly, too gang. Not overly, but a little too much. If this is a proton, if this is not meant to be the alien, great. I've got no problem with that. If it's meant to be the and we don't know yet, we haven't had confirmed anything, but if this is meant to be the alien, I've got problems with it because it's the way it moves especially we've seen it move run and leap that is great and of course ridley scott has said before that's how he wanted it to move in the original alien he didn't want it to move sluggishly he wanted it to leap around this is basically what he always wanted it to do i've got no trouble with that but when like when we've talked about on blomkamp's project and i said one of the things i'd love to see is a return to how we saw in Aliens when you saw an alien leap between the walls as Ripley's rescuing you, and you see it go from one wall to the other to the other. But in that, it had a sense of weight and inertia, which is lacking here in the way this one's been animated. In this one, there's a feel of pretty much weightlessness. It looks feather-light as it's darting around. Whereas the one in Aliens, it had that because it was, obviously because it was a physical guy in a suit, but I'm guessing done by wire work. But you had that sense of weight. That's what sold it as a real creature. On this, people are, I can tell why, because I'm an amateur CGI artist myself. It's, It's striking people as some people are saying it looks like it's out of a video game. And they're not saying it as a mocking way. They're saying it's because it's their first instinct. And they're doing it that way because it's being animated 
like it has no weight they're not factoring weight into the movement of the thing which is how you which is why a lot of creatures are animated like that in computer games so it's a psychological thing that's tripping them up and on here not one i you know i like the way it looks kind of I'm disappointed it's they've taken away the biomechanical detail because that's the one thing everybody wanted to see in Prometheus. We didn't get that. We wanted it to be on screen ever since we've seen, we heard rumours HR Giga would get involved. We're not getting it here. I think that it looks good, but I'd have loved to see it with biomechanical detail. I think that's a wasted opportunity. But there wasn't a shot here which made me it convinced me it was the alien in alien isolation they had it moving perfectly it it, i I could tell it was part of a computer game but the movements were perfect on here even the shot the money shot where it's head butting the glass and then you see it like doing that it's an interesting little look where it's chattering its teeth like the like a cenobite and it's sort of spider-like grabbed onto the ship but even that look where it's in broad daylight and you've got all the lighting on it, not one shot convinces me psychologically this is a living, okay, we don't know if it breathes air, but a, quote, living, breathing creature. It looks like a CGI creature. It looks like a special effect. It doesn't look like an actual living being in the way that, say, Fifield in Prometheus although again there it was because he was an actual guy in a suit but here it the shots we've got so far they look CGI I'm really hoping that's because they're unfinished effects and that's totally possible but if these are the effects we're going to get and the problem is this was a big trailer this is the one that Fox wants to push out this was our first glimpse of the alien i don't think they'd have authorized that unless the effects for that creature were mostly finished now it as i say it might not have been but the problem i'm getting with this is not one shot of the alien makes me think it's a creature in the way that we did in alien aliens even some shots in alien 3 we we got that mostly with a puppet but none of these make me think, wow, that's a fucking creature. I don't care about biomechanical thing. It's moving right. It's a creature. It's making me think that's an effect. And that is where this is problematic. Now, in terms of the I, design, it's, you know, it's fine. I would have liked biomechanical detail, but it's, you know, after Alien and Aliens, it's probably my, my third one that I'd go. That's a decent design, but they really need to fix the material, the surface materials and the way it's animated for me to go, that's an alien. I think the effects and how convincing they are will come down in terms of like the proportion of CG to practical. Now, we know there's going to be a practical alien suit because it was seen briefly in the first trailer in the shower scene. Yeah. So it, it really depends on, on how much of each is used. I am worried, especially when you have movies like the thing prequel movies like Jurassic world where it's, it's 95% CG and there's almost no practical work there. The, the, you know, making that convincing, it comes down to having a balance and playing to the strengths of both. So yeah, I mean, when you have the alien jumping all across the ship and crawling on the underside of it, it's going to have to be a CG shot. So I think how convincing that is will directly come down to 
what other, you know, how much of the, the alien we see practically, because you have that in Alien Resurrection as well. You have a few shots. Now, granted, the CG is a lot more dated on that film, yeah. but you have a few shots where it's just the CG alien walking down the hall or crawling into a pod where it's very minor, but it adds to it because the CG is is not prominently featured yeah. Uh, for the most part, as you're seeing the alien. So I think it'll come down to a balance. I do think we'll see more CG alien than we've ever seen in an alien movie before. Yeah. Um, I think we'll be lucky if it's 50 50. Um, as far as the design, I do, again, I do really like the lanky look and I sent you guys a, an image of a, a sculpture and, um, if you guys don't cut this out, we'll include it in the podcast post. But I think it was really representative of the the kind of movements we're going to see with this actor playing this alien. Uh-huh. And so I, I think it could be a, a very interesting interpretation. And, you know, with um, with the original alien as well, we had a very tall, lanky actor playing the alien. So it, it seems to be Ridley's kind of preferred look for, for how that alien is, you know, very slender, very lanky, kind of creeping around type of creature. Now, even though this isn't a full 100% xenomorph, unlike Prometheus, when I saw this in the trailer, I was excited as an alien fan. Like, that's an alien. Yeah. You know, it might not be a full-fledged xenomorph, but that's an alien that that we want to see. It, you know, it has the look and feel and movements of an alien and it, you know, whether or not it's an ancestor. And, and that's another thing with the neomorphs. I'm wondering if they're going to be more of a distant cousin rather than a direct ancestor because the infection method is completely different and um, how that's going to be explained with David's experiments and, and if they're really going to go into that with much detail. But, you know, seeing that xenomorph on screen got me really pumped. So I'm I'm hoping we have a good balance with the CG and the practical. And I'm hoping that regardless of whether or not we see, which we probably won't, um, the full-fledged xenomorph of the alien saga, that this will be a true alien that we can see on screen again. Well, that's why I say I, I hope if it's a protomorph, as it's been termed, or or experiment from David, yeah, they can do whatever they want with that. I've got no real problem. As I say, there are issues with the 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 weight and inertia i'd like to see more of that in the animation if it's a protomorph no problems if this is meant to be the alien then there are problems but if it's meant to be a protomorph they can do as much biomechanical stuff as they want on it. I, I really don't think it's supposed to be the alien I do think it's supposed to be some sort of in between yeah. i hope so well that's why the eggs look different too yeah yeah it's- pretty sure that it's deliberately done on purpose and again the set reports have mentioned that there is a reason for the uh, lack of biomechanical and lack of uh, well the the changes towards the design it very much seems to be the case and i do think it is important to mention that it's not unusual for those of you who are you know um, like xenomorph and bothered by the effects in the trailer it is not unusual to have unfinished effects show up in these big trailers so you know that that didn't re- that never really bothers right. especially especially with the concept of that particular scene because that is, is a callback to aliens like you were saying earlier yeah. um, and it's also something Scott's wanted to do for ages yeah. uh, you know that was the kind of thing he wanted to happen when Dallas uh, got to tuck in the vents yeah. so hopefully they'll it doesn't bother me personally I didn't I didn't notice it and I tried to look for some issues <laughs> I did actually try and I just didn't see it. Um, so, you know, I'm excited to see that kind of agility back and 
that kind of ferocity. Yeah, I, I mean, I like the the speed because it does remind me of how what they were trying to do in Alien Three, and it looks like the speed they got that right. It looks vicious. People have been saying really brutal. It looks vicious. This one. The the other thing I forgot to mention. I don't know if it's the lighting, but to me, it does look especially on the, as I say, the money shot where you're seeing the full body of the thing, it looks like they are returning the eye sockets on the skull back. Yeah, they, yes, the it does. But you, you can they, also... Yeah, they look narrow. They don't look circular. And I think they look a lot more unsettling when they're circular. This one looks grumpy because it's, it's going, <laughs> oh, don't look at me. It's <laughs> I don't like... If they are meant to be eye sockets, I don't, uh, the, they've got them narrowed. I don't like them now. I want them to be, look, that given that nightmarish, this is a skull, circular sockets like it could be a trick of the light but i i that's one of the things i thought oh, i don't like you know i sockets. well you can kind of see it a bit too when he's lunging at the camera before the title shot in the um the red hallway yeah another interesting point i wanted to make is this is the first time we've ever seen an alien in daylight i, I don't know i just i noticed that <laughs> well we saw some in like the avp the first film when they're out just before they get to the sled and they're fully lit up, I'm pretty sure. And Resurrection. I mean, they were properly lit up in some sequences in that. Right, but they've never been, like, outside in sunlight. No. Is, is what I'm saying. I will say, just before we move on, I will say, talking about the uh, the sunlight, this, we've, you know, some of the shots we see in darkness, like it leaping around in the tunnel, and the other shots we see crawling about on the hull of something. Um it looked equally as good in darkness and lit up. I will say so that that was a that was nice to see it look because you know way back with an alien Ridley Scott he was forced to hide it in shadow. This one looks equally as good in daylight as it did it, as it looks in shadow. Also the uh, the legs it has the digi-grade legs. Great. Yeah, I prefer Digi-digrade. those personally. I I think um, didn't Dennis Bouvet do it in book two the digi-grade legs. I wouldn't know offhand, sorry. I think it is. That, that's always been my favourite. Hang on, let, let's pause, let's pause, let's find out. Yep, certainly looks like two joints. Hey, I was right. God, I love it. But then again, that actually, that actually might just be the heel. It might just be really exaggerated. It might be. I, I've got a feeling now like dog lives in that one. What book are you talking about? Book yeah, two. Book two. Nightmare Asylum. Vindication. <laughs> It's definitely it near enough looks like a, a, an yeah. extra joint. I'm pretty sure John just... Bolton did that way as well, but I could be mistaken. Did he ever do any interior art? Yeah, wasn't Bolton mostly a cover artist? No, I think he did Sacrifice, didn't he? You're testing me. You're testing me. I can't <laughs> remember this. It's the one where... I'm oh, talking about religion again. See, it's the one where the... Uh, I think she's a missionary or a... She's a, she's a Christian and she um she crashes at this pl- that jungle... And there's only a few people there, but it turns out they're feeding infant cloned humans to the beast. Paul Johnson did that one. Oh, okay. I thought it was Bolton. I only remember him as a cover artist, but I'm just having a quick flick on EVP Wiki. Who did... Um, oh, I've forgotten what it's called now. It's the one with the armoured shit kicker suit. It was like mostly pros, like the pictures out. Oh, do you mean uh, do you mean tribes? Yeah, that's the one. Who did the art for that? It was Dave Dorman. Ah, that's it. Fantastic he did, artwork. He did one of my favourite 
AVP pictures, which is this poster of a single predator in this like swamp, and he's like got a, a one alien in one hand, and there's an, another alien kind of like swimming through the water towards it. I think that might have been um, Dorman, and it, uh, yeah, that, that one's Dorman. definitely got the dog legs. They were tangent, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're, they're old fun memories. I, I think I think the digigrade legs are pretty much a permanent fixture fixture of the design yeah. now. And honestly, it doesn't bother me. Yeah, but it's ironic because, like, they look better for making something look less human. But back when they were doing Alien 3, it was like one of the few parts of the alien to make it look like it had come out of another creature. And now it's like if they're all going to start having them, the Alien 3 creature is going to look almost like all the rest except for the armoured tail so you have that bit where Ripley's saying it moves differently it doesn't look like the others and it's like exactly the same as the others because of budget yeah. but yeah I do I do like that leg set and as you say it looks like they used got like that bird of prey look like it's gripping the, the like prehensile feet so has anybody else got anything they want to bring up in terms of the trailer or the set report there is um one shot in the trailer, very brief, of Danny McBride in a spacesuit. And it's been rumored there's some sort of spacewalk scene in this. And we've seen in the previous trailer, Daniel's in a spacesuit as well. So I'm wondering if that's the same scene, if there are, there's going to be mm. some sort of spacewalk thing. And that's supposed to be a very Mobius-inspired space costume as well, which I'm looking forward to seeing more of. Especially, like, actually talking about Mobius-inspired uh, stuff, the, um, the Explorer uniforms that they wear when they're on the planet. Just those floppy hats. I love them. You know, that, 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 that's, that's something Mobius uh, liked to do. And seeing Walter with his, his floppy hat, I, I quite liked it. Just a little moment. I'm wondering what that little robotic mule thing that you found. It's like got on four wheels and it's like a little tiny platform with little, like a short circuit head on the front of it. And it's just going wheel down that little platform. But it's not actually carrying anything, so... Maybe it's their little science rover. <laughs> yeah, actually, it might be. Maybe it's solar powered. Yeah, we did get some nice more shots of um, going through the the um, juggernaut. The I suppose it. Yeah. Oh yeah. But, yeah. No, the the juggernaut, um, like the hallways and such. Because mm, you saw you saw the um, the engineer uh, bio suits. Yeah. One thing yeah, that's that kind was of... nice. Those yeah, the elephant head. Yeah, I noticed that they were all like standing. Upright, evacuate mm. like they were in Prometheus. Yeah. One thing that's kind of strange that I noticed is when they go inside the engineer spaceship, it, it looks pretty overgrown inside. And I'm wondering if that's just because the ship crashed and, you know, dirt got inside of it or, or whatever, or if there's some sort of advanced, you know, planetary ecology going on here that's happening faster. Mm. Maybe well, it, it's magic it, MacGuffin. Yeah, well, didn't it meant to be like 10 years after Prometheus? Yeah. So I think within that time it's acceptable. Although thinking about it, I think the shots where you see like a hint of a space jockey chair, they're clearly the juggernaut. But because we've seen the shots of like those in hallways where it's gravel, and I rem if you remember in Prometheus, those elephant head spacesuits, they weren't part in the um, spaceship, were they? They were in the actual facility. So I, I think, think that shot. Ship. Are you sure? I think those yeah, were in the I think hallway it was when, into the ship. Uh, it, it was when David was inside the ship, I'm pretty sure. Right. Yeah, but you see him in this trailer seen, too. Yeah, we've definitely seen 
you know dirt so i i think the the at least the shots with them walking on the corridors with dirt in it that might be from that like cathedral place so i it might be that the other characters will see all those that apocalyptic scene of dead bodies and such well when they walk inside the ship one minute and nine seconds in the trailer they're like walking up a hill into yeah. a chamber and the chamber looks like the jockey chamber. So I'm wondering if they just reuse that set as a different part of the ship or something. Mm. By they the were way, saying I, they've, they, um, they've made the actual engineer sets. They've uh, made the modular. So you have several of them actually featuring for multiple different scenes and they're meant to be completely different locations, but they've actually reused them because they can link them up in different ways as and when they need to, which is oh, good here. Also, I found the image of the one I, thought was an engineer body frozen in battle with an alien and yeah you're right it's it's two engineers just falling on each other i um <laughs> in love. to be fair I, I think i thought the same thing when when i first saw it it's just a bit of the perspective tricking well, i'm sure we they there have been pictures of those um dead body and some of them look like they're actually fighting off deacon like things but it might be that some of them have been infected like five fifth field or five field i forgot how you pronounce his name like you know he became that like zombified psychotic thing it could be that some of them have been infected and they're just unleashing themselves on the others i thought the the scene with the rover was a little strange that they would just have a, a rover like which is an actual uh contemporary rover by the way mm. um just on the planet like i mean they're already on the planet exploring it. Yeah. And that's typically what those, those are meant for is, is surveying a planet. So mm. another interesting part about their outfits is they all have like these, or not all of them, but some of them have these little arms on their backpacks with cameras. Yeah. I that was that. very sort of, you know, I, I thought Ooh, James Cameron, uh, reference there. <laughs> or they could, could be lights. Rings, yeah. yeah. I was going to say it could be cameras or lights. Yeah. Or it could be both. The reason they couldn't be. Was if you remember some of the very first shots that got released that were of the security team with um, you know having rifles and stuff, and a lot of people because they noticed those little armature things and they all said, "Oh, they're colonial marines, they're colonial marines," because they people did go back to looking like oh. They got, you know, they look like the little lamps the Colonial Marines are. And then it took a while for people to realise, no, actually, they're wearing completely different clothing and stuff. But some were, like, convinced it was going to be a film that was about the Colonial Marines going off to this planet. But now here we have confirmation. It's just, it's just like, it's just the ordinary crew. But as you say, Hicks, I, I've, I think that is a deliberate callback to the Colonial Marine lamp type thing on the shoulder. It, it looks too deliberate for anything else. And it's, it's nice. It's nice enough. It is nice. I, d- I don't think it's too intrusive. No. Did you guys wonder at all about the bit where Daniels is commenting about the fact that there's no evidence of life on the planet other than the greenery? She says, you know, I'm hearing nothing, no animals, no birds or anything. Mm. It's very creepy, I think. And I think it's quite a nice little foreshadow to seeing that field of um, dead engineers. Well, I think it was <laughs> the first thing it made me think of was well you should at least be hearing insects and if you're not hearing them then there must be birds or something to eat the insect how is a lot of the plant life is going to need pollination through insects you're thinking too logical now yeah i know i know it's probably something they never thought of but it, once she said that i thought well how's all the plant life spread all over? <laughs> i think that's that's more to set the tone yeah 
and and like that. And and to set the tone, I think it's quite an effective little moment. Oh yeah, no, it is. It's one of the. I'm, I'm sure I've seen it in other films before. They say, "What's that sound? Nothing. You can't hear nothing. That it means there's nothing here." It's one of those things that has been in other films before. But yeah, it always works well as a piece of. Um, dialogue or like somewhere speculating david could have caused an extinction level event on the planet or something like that i don't know mm-hmm. but then you'd expect to see an absence of plant life too if it's just like a, a nuclear explosion <laughs> well it would be like viral you know what it is uh, they've invited predators and they've just killed everything and that's going to be the next film <laughs> deacon versus predator Ridley Scott didn't want you to know that that was a secret yeah <laughs> that's his, yeah. the special thing that's in reserve also, a holographic table again from Prometheus. Uh, 140, where was it? It's in the trailer. Okay. Oh, I will find it. 144. What's happening? What's happening? Uh, there's a crew member just with his arm on the holographic table monitoring a bunch of holograms, similar to Prometheus. See, at this rate, they're going to have to remaster aliens. <laughs> they're gonna have to put something in there. Well, they, need, they need. They need. To, oh, I see it. Yes. Um. Well, they they need to go back and add in the mention of a bracket and all the marines that were stationed on Hadley's Hope anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you know that needs to happen. So they might as well put in mm. your little holographic table. That actually does bring up a point from the on-set reports. They've apparently had what is it an eight or ten page? I think it is guide. Ridley Scott had some film research yeah, or something yeah. draw up. And it's like meant to be the Bible they use from now on. Apparently they've already had the next sequel written while they're filming this. So it's going to be the Bible they use from now on. Um, but there was mention that they've deliberately disregarded anything to do with the AVP films, which in turn... Um, as we were saying before we started this podcast, I think Ridgetop said that the, it means that that in turn now means the, the new comics and novels where the Predators are definitely very much um, featuring is now kind of like <laughs> they're, they're rebooting the EU again. They're not going to have Predators. No, it, it just it just means that the, the comics are the point of entry. We don't have to worry about that. I, it's just because Ridgetop's like dying inside. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those those movies are, are always going to have a special place for me. But if, <laughs> if they want to move on from them, that's what they're going to do. And it'll still be interesting to me. Granted, I think Fox is going to cash in and make an AVP3. If this does well and the Predator does well, you're going to see an AVP3 no matter what. I, th- I think it's going to be a few years down the line, though. I'm hoping it happens, but I think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Ridley Scott's got to do his three film movies. Well, he says in one thing, he says... If they, if Fox wants to keep doing this, I could keep going for another six, which I went, oh, wow, you were previously only... He's got the passion in him to do six, not just this, this, you know, beyond this one. So you could actually have, like, eight films before you get to Alien, which is going to be a bit... I don't know how they're going to limit it so that humanity doesn't find out about the aliens by that point. It's great that he's got the passion for the creature again, you know, especially after him saying it was all done and stood. Mm. But yeah, yeah, I, d- I don't yeah. think I don't think they can draw out the prequels for another six. Maybe mm. some different, you know, um, side calls, whatever. Maybe something after mm. after the prequels, after as well. That would... Yeah, in the uh, again the onset reports. Apparently, they while they were filming Covenant, 
Um, they had a like a two week break for Christmas, and Ridley Scott was a. He said that he'd he'd gone to his shed to do paintings. Apparently, he sends Christmas cards. He puts his paintings on them to everyone. But he said he just he was restless. All he could do was want to get back to work on the film. And yet, on one of the other, I think it was JoeBlow.com. It might have been one of the others. Um, there's this remark that he says to the you know the, the people who got to go on set. He, he, he's apparently listened to some of at least the criticism of prometheus that had to do with there being no aliens and he said if they want aliens i'll give them fucking aliens and so and that's like a double-edged thing because it makes me think oh great he he's you know he's getting it back into it, but is he gonna have the point when he's actually doing the creature work is it gonna be you know he's got the passion for the creature or especially keeping in mind that it wasn't too long ago he was saying you can't make the alien scary again it's been on disneyland etc he couldn't think of a way to do anything scary with it is it that he's just being a little bit spiteful and thinking oh they didn't like my film fuck it i'm gonna just throw aliens at the screen and he's not going to actually necessarily do it in a way to try and give emphasis to legitimate fear he might fall on back on like cliched things just to put aliens so it's a little bit of a double-edged quote there but it's um he's definitely got the intention to give the audience aliens whether or not they're as um, effective as they used to be the thing that i think is pretty interesting about this one is it sounds like it's you know we were saying saying earlier about him being able to do stuff that he couldn't do anyway like an alien yeah at making alien do it feels like this is him going back and doing the other half of prometheus you know while mm. they were working on prometheus the shift away from it came from tom roth it came from damon lindelof i i, I suppose ridley was you know it it seemed like they were the more driving forces behind the change mm. Covenant seems like it, that other half of the script that got got rid of, yeah. you know, which, which is the the alien. Yeah. So I, I think there might be some enthusiasm in there, and he's getting to, was was taken away from him. I mean, obviously he would have had some some say in the matter. You know, Rothman and Lindelof convinced him that they, it was the right option uh, to drop Alien. I had thought he had selected Lindelof personally to come on board and. He was one of a few writers they got in touch with. The stuff he sent back was pretty much what Rothman and some of the producers were leaning towards, which was to strip it of Alien and go down this engineer route. Well, I, I guess it didn't work. Otherwise, they would have continued with that. <laughs> but that's just what it seems to me. It seems like it's a, the, all the vibes I'm getting from Covenant are that it's, it's Prometheus Take Two sticking with the alien side of it yeah it does ever since we found out about more concrete details about it, it feels a little bit more like the original engineer's script than prometheus i think we've said that before it it obviously is it's to do with that but even the set designers now they've, they've all talked about they've deliberately not gone for the full-on hr giga stuff on like the the sets with the engineer technology but they have said it's something they're working towards so i think they are deliberately conscious that the 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 more sequels they're going to do and as i said it has apparently they had the next one after this already being written so presumably that's being put into next drafts now or whatever but i think they the plan is definitely to even if the engineers themselves don't you know we don't get like another engineer coming to life or whatever i think the plan is that wherever the the story next takes them they're gonna it's gonna be to do with the engineers again and they are gonna go deeper and deeper into that 
side of it. They, they are going to go off into an engineer tangent, as it were. Uh, somehow they've got to drive it back to LV426, I guess, somehow. But I think that's the plan. They, the set designers said, as it, as more goes on, we are going to get back to making it more and more and more Giga-esque. So I, I think that is the definite plan. And with the creature design as well. It's not necessarily yeah. just the yeah. set work. Yeah. Yeah, with what Ridley's been saying that this is eventually going to lead into like a backdoor for Alien, it has been an interesting discussion. And part of me feels, and this is just you know personal speculation, that he's trying to retroactively make Prometheus a better movie with this film. <laughs> yeah, could be. But yeah, it's that's interesting if this does well and they continue with the sequels. Like, are we going to see another derelict crash on LV-426 or is that going to have already been there? Are they going to explain away some of the discrepancies between the size of the the jockey in Alien or if that's mm. just like, oh, this is the new you know interpretation yeah. now, deal with it. So... I don't know. I think they could they could overkill it, you know, to have the idea that there was all this stuff happening before the first alien and the company, you know, was still pretty much in the dark about this other than knowing a little bit. It would kind of be a hard premise to to take seriously, which is is another thing about the the Prometheus planet LV223, like it orbits the same gas giant as uh, LV426 does it not like in the hologram in Pro- so, yeah. yeah in the hologram in Prometheus you see two moons orbiting the planet and one is listed as LV223 and the other is unlisted so i figured that was LV426 i think that's the intention i think it's in the blu-ray in the menu somewhere in there that it's posted as well yeah so if i mean if that was a neighboring planet with all this stuff left behind by engineers and the other moon was colonized you know why was this planet not surveyed and i guess they do go into that in the comics a little bit like they were told it was a dead rock or something like that yes yeah, so but i mean so was lv426 so ambiguous and- anyway i just i wonder if we're going to be visiting 223 or 426 again in the sequels well they apparently they, there are hints in uh, some of them conflicting but they they do have references in some of the on-set reports they talk about one of the creature suits and they say oh it's like inspired by a goblin shark and you think to yourself well the deacon would definitely have that they spoke about it. Is that does that mean they're doing adult deacons and you have others that somebody asked the creature designers is the deacon related to an alien and they said to the person well what do you think what we saw of the neomorph I mean, I could be wrong, but when I freeze-framed it, it looked like a deacon with a thin tail that's got Caucasian human skin on it. So I'm guessing somehow they're going to mess around with deacon stuff. Maybe that's what the Neomorph is. I don't know. The deacon didn't, as we saw, it didn't have a tail. So maybe that's the difference. They're two closely related but different species, maybe. But... um. I think they're they're at least touching on the Deacon again, but it's going to be a matter of all how they create. Did they go back to the planet and pick it up again or what? If they're not going to bother with it, if they've got it somehow else, they don't need to go back to LV-223. There's no reason for the story to ever go back there again. I think the design similarities are all going to the black goo. You know, the end, the, the deeper revolved around the, yeah. the accelerated neomorphs to be around uh, accelerated, infected um, ecosystems. So I think that's where that sort of 
trait comes from. You know, there's, there's a, a theory going around that, you know, the Axelorans some sort of, like, genetic blueprint or alien-like creature. Well, sort of. I mean, you saw an engineering just a lot more of it, and all it did was tear him apart. Don't know if that was the exact same substance. Well, it was heavily implied. <laughs> As many people have been saying, I think that in back in Prometheus, it just did whatever the hell they wanted yeah, it to it, do. It was the there was nothing. Yeah, I mean, you didn't see Firefield look like he had goblin shark like jaws or anything. So interestingly, though, there was some concept art where they'd make mutation look far more alien-like. You know, it did start to get elongated. I, I mean, I've seen thing. the test footage where he's had like longer limbs and stuff, but. He just looked more awkward in that, so I don't think I would have preferred that. But but what we saw on screen, it, it didn't look like there's any more of it. Also, you had, like, you know, the worms. They didn't have that kind of head. They just grew into, like, this weird, like, legless face-hugger thing on the end. It, there, there wasn't any similarity to the Deacon. The Deacon came around by such incredibly unlikely events, you know, and a little, just the right amount infected... Um, you know, I forget what his name was, Charlie Holloway, that he started mutating in a certain way. He had sex with Shaw. Somehow he impregnated her, even though she she was physically incapable of it. And then that thing that came out of her impregnated an engineer, what came in, you know, it's such a likely event. I don't see how it would be recreated. Um, Because even, I mean, they, uh, I don't know how David would even know the exact secret. He would need another engineer, even if he knew the exact other way to do the combination. If he's using Shaw as some kind of breeding machine, but I don't, th- I don't think there's going to be any Deacons in this. I think it's just they, they do share sim- some similarities to the Neomorphs' apparent design and the Deacons. You know, they do share those obvious basic body shapes. I, I think that's just. I wasn't too far, but as I say, the Neomorph design, this other one, does look very deacon-esque um i mean going back to david i mean what do you guys think the i mean there have been an interview where they say that shaw and david apparently have this dynamic of like an old married couple because they've been together for that long uh but what do you think might have gone on there i raised in the forum recently that the adverts seem to be gearing us up to assume David A, he's a villain, but what if it's actually Shaw is behind it, or what if she's reprogrammed him, or what if he's actually doing something for a greater good and we think he's a villain, but actually he's doing something for heroic or noble reasons? What do you what would you like to see from David, or what do you think David is actually gonna do and him the relationship between him and Shaw? I think it'd certainly be a an unexpected twist. So you know, it might be good in terms of in terms of the plot. As to whether it's going to happen, I don't really think so. I think they're going to. I mean, David's a bit of a. He's not a straight bad guy, but he's not exactly a good guy either. Um, he's playing to his own motivations. Um, I think he'll. I think he'll still probably come across as a bit of an antagonist in this. But who knows, you know, if if they were to flip it around like that, cool. Yeah, no no issues with that. Well, I think the question is whether or not, you know, David's motivations here are, are for some bigger purpose or if he's just going crazy or if, <laughs> you know, you know kind of like the original Spaith script, he was just kind of a bad guy. 
you know. So if if they're going to go more down that route, like, oh, I'm free from my master, so now I'm going to punish humanity or something like that. I don't know. But yeah, the whole dynamic between him and Shaw being the only ones on this planet, or if there were engineers when they got there, or how that happened, um, or if there was a point where he turned on her and we see that, or if we see her reassembling his body. You know, there's a lot of questions there as to how much we're going to actually see of mm-hmm. of that. There were some lingering mysteries from Prometheus and, and really said some questions from Prometheus were going to be answered in this film. But one of the ones I had was why star maps were left for ancient cultures to LV-223. And I'm wondering if they're just going to forget about that because it's unexplainable or if they're going to go into that a little bit more in this movie. Mm. I mean, talking about like predictable villains and such, I, I will say just as uh, one of the last points um i did like what i saw on one of the onset reports about billy crudup's character where he said he's he was given the script and his character came across very like two-dimensional in a way he was meant to be the antagonist and he said i'm not interested in playing it that way i want to and he said he made it a lot more nuanced like he he honestly thinks he's the best guy at the job but he does a shitty job because he's too focused on one thing and it's just like the rest comes up as like almost a cock up and to me when i read that i thought that's i like that spin on it because it returns it to like how burke was in aliens he didn't do this you know he didn't intend things to go that way but ultimately it was one big tragedy even though he didn't mean it to go that he just wanted the jordans to check out the coordinate and when i read that i thought that at least with um that character the credit plane I'm more. I'm a lot more interested in seeing how he portrays that character now, having heard that about. So that that was one of the things from an on-set report, not from a trailer, but from an on-set report, where it made me. It gave me a lot more encouragement to think, yeah, that this could be an interesting production, like character-wise. Hopefully, I mean, they've got a good cast from you know some of the bigger names that I'm aware of. Some of these guys I don't. I'm not too familiar with, um, but Crudup, I am really looking forward to seeing. And um, Danny McBride, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he what he does with the film. I mean, we've seen some shots in the trailers where you know he's getting really emotional and looking pretty intense, and we've seen a bit of his humour from the prologue. But I think he's going to knock it out of the park. It's just a sub- it's just a suspicion I have. I, I think he's going to be quite a standout in this. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I think we've. Um... I think we've mined these quite extensively, as expected. <laughs> so I think we we'll, shall call it quits for the evening, unless anybody else has any any last burning points. No. Okay. Cool. Um. So the awful bit at the end that I hate doing because I I loathe these kind of things, but the the obligatory plugs. You know, remember to keep an eye on the front page or on the Facebook and Twitter pages for the latest news. And if you're so inclined to join in with the conversation, feel free to sign up to the forums and register an account and join in with everybody else you know we'd love to hear what you think about the uh, the podcast the disc the discussions um anything that you have to add on any of the points that we've spoken about or any even you know suggestions for future episodes that'd be great so uh don't be shy feel free to shout up and you know just stick with us keep an eye out keep an eye out for all the news because it's gonna you know more often than not you'll find it on our website first it mysteriously appears on other websites, you know, <laughs> a couple of hours after. But yeah, so uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you've enjoyed it. And this is Corporal Hicks. And Ridge Top. Xenomorphine. Signing off. <laughs>